revolution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out line and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out line and chalk. Hey everybody, this is Amadi. You are about to listen to part two of our interview with Richard Jacobson, the author of the book entitled Unchurching, Christianity Without Churchianity, and his co-host Gunnar Falk. They also host a podcast entitled The Unchurching Podcast. So stay tuned, sit back, relax. This is House to House and Unchurching Part 2. We did have just a, just a couple more questions and then anything you guys wanted to uh, throw out there, um, please feel free. So another question that and well it's not necessarily a question but i guess maybe it is a question when we were talking about um the home me i feel so pre- so yeah, got the that's not so presidential with the hand and the camera there um, <laughs> I feel like, um with the home meetings one of the things that really encouraged me when i listened to your podcast and you guys had talked about some of the different dynamics of your group down there in Nashville, like people moving from other parts of the country and changing jobs and just to be within, like just to be in proximity to the family of God. I thought like, wow, what a, like, cause for us, like we, we live in the DC area and I can tell you people are not doing anything that affects their job around here. Like around here, like mammon is king, so yeah, it's that like, cost yeah, is too great, right? If it if Literally. it costs me to to lose money or lose a you know opportunity for a, no one is doing it around here. So for like for me personally, that was really just refreshing to hear. So you guys just elaborate a little bit on that, just the different things that people have done just to be in the proximity of the family. Well, the funny thing is, like the the group that you're referencing, the one we talked about on the podcast, I also reference it in my book. Um, that group is in a very different season. Like, I don't know that, um, that most of those saints are still meeting together as a big group. Um, but, um, I don't, I also wouldn't say that, I don't know that I would necessarily say that that house church, um, like failed or expired or dissolved because what seemed to happen and Gunnar, you can chime in, maybe you have a different take, but what seemed to happen is if anything, certain people in the group kind of got even more of a desire uh, for that proximity thing. And so there were certain families um, like there's actually a couple families we had on the podcast that moved in together. There are two families moved in together, but the place they bought, was actually pretty far away from where the group was meeting centrally. Um, Gunner and his family actually did the same thing with another friend of theirs. They bought a house that was, you know, pretty far north of Nashville, um, but it's in a neighborhood with some other saints, and they did that to have proximity. But as far as like having one central area where the the whole group was getting together as a group, that kind of fell by the wayside as people started kind of breaking into like these smaller groups. And so I'll say where my wife and I are at, there's nobody really out here where we are, but one of the things that we've been having a lot of conversation about lately, and you'll see me posting about this all the time on Facebook is the thing that I'm really starting to look into is this co-housing movement. And I want to be really clear that I don't think 
co-housing, intentional community, co-living, you know, all those different things, communes. Um, um, I don't think they're any sort of magic bullet per se, but I do think at some point, if you're talking about believers having an integrated day-to-day life in the Lord, where you don't have to pre-plan what does your schedule look like? When are we getting together? If you if you want to just um, be in a situation where you can run into one another, bump into one another, where where um, interactions can happen organically, spontaneously, the only way that I know how to facilitate that is through proximity. At some point, you have to address that question and say, well, how... How integrated do we want our lives to be? And what are we willing to give up to make it happen? Hmm. I'm not saying there aren't groups that exist without it. Um, I think groups that have a really strong sense of mission have something else to kind of rally around. Because if you're, if, if you're like a very missional minded Christian and you find other, you find a few other Christians who are like really passionate um, about whatever it is, whether outreach or activism or feeding the homeless or whatever your thing is, you're going to, you know, kind of go through hell and high water to get together with those folks um, because you're a mission driven person. So you may not be in the same location physically, but you're going to make sure that you keep interacting. But I don't know. Uh, One of the things I don't want to make too long of an answer of this, but one of the things that I, I don't think a lot of Christians realize is how, how much these, uh, systemic issues affect our ability to have and cultivate community. Cause once upon a time, America lived in small towns and everybody had community by default. Mm-hmm. When I went to the grocery store, you know, I ran into you because there was only one grocery store in our town. And when I went to church, I ran into you cause there's only one or two churches in our town. Uh, when I went to a ball game to watch my kids play, I'm sitting next to you cause there's only one school in our town. So our lives were interconnected by default cause we lived in a small town. But then after 1920, you know, it's the first time in the American census we had more people living in cities than in than not. Um, then came the 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 rise of the commuter. You know, people started working in the cities and living in the suburbs, and that's not an integrated life. And that's not to say there aren't other solutions, but at some point you've just got to tackle this proximity issue. Did I ramble too much, or did that kind of was that helpful at all? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, that, well, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, Gunner. Well, I, I have moved several times. Like the example you gave, I'm a guy who's done that. Um, by the way, I can kind of relate to you because when I lived in a house with 17 people, I was in Leesburg, Virginia, up near you guys. Oh, not wow. Too far okay. away. And yeah, we stood out like uh, like nothing else in that environment. And I kind of get you the call. Like I still have family up there. I can go and visit. And I get you. It's just a part of the country. Every part of the country can be a little bit unique. And it certainly has a little bit of different vibe up in the D.C. area. Um, especially when it comes to something like what we're talking about, although, because it's gotten so expensive there, as I know you can say, amen to that, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, different co-housing things and stuff might be really appealing, especially to young single people. Uh, I have moved and done all that. I've never regretted it. I've wanted to go where God is happening or where church in a different way it was happening or go explore. And I'm happy for that, but I'm at a point of life now where I'll be honest, if the Lord I felt like genuinely was helping to lead and guide me. Of course I do it in a second, but I really also feel like I could almost go anywhere and start enacting the kinds of 
lifestyles that we're talking about and principles that we're talking about. And I think he has a hunger for these things to grow most everywhere. And so I would encourage people, if you've just been where you're at and not going, you can certainly seek the Lord and do that. But just in general, just trust Jesus in general. And I know we were discussing earlier about meeting. And I love that verse, uh, whenever you meet, every one of you has a word, a song. It's like our organic home church white flag that we wave around as we go around, you know. But to me, what I started doing is just like, I'm going to do that whenever I meet with anyone. Like, so if I'm in that Starbucks group of three, I'm like, what's, is there a prophetic thing? Is there an encouragement? Is there an exhortation? And what I love about that is it gets me out of the performance for having to come to the big meeting that way. I'm just going to do that with my friends regardless. If we're children and I together, we kind of have to distinguish because we'll get caught up talking about the 80s for quite a bit and pop culture. And then we have to transition (laughs) into those exhortations. But then we eventually get there. And so from that, the only reason I say that is because if I'm living that kind of lifestyle, I really, I think I can go almost anywhere, start to get deeper levels of community, deeper interactions with other saints. And, you know, obviously it can blossom to where we're just like meeting with even more. Well, I've tell, them, tell them what you're doing in your neighborhood, Gunner. Oh, yeah. Like in our neighborhood, we're just trying to be really intentional. Uh, we do a couple like we're trying to do quarterly events where we invite the whole neighborhood over. Uh, like, I'll be honest, growing up in Christianity, we didn't do this. And I'm not like necessarily super excited about the holiday. But, dude, we put on Halloween. I don't have a bunch of no offense. But I don't have a bunch of decoration, but we hand out more candy. And we cook meals because we realize there's a lot of single parents coming by. They didn't have time to cook their kids dinner. So I got hot dogs and burgers on the grill and I'm handing them out to people because their kids are all whacked out on sugar and they just need something that's not sugar in their mouth. (laughs) I got bottled water because it can still be hot here on Halloween where we live. And and so everybody, when we first moved in, that's how everybody kind of got to know us. Uh, Our neighborhood has some older homes and there's some people who live in there for over 40 years. We're the first ones that ever threw a neighborhood Christmas party. Wow. And we threw a Christmas party and I made a steak. That's like my specialty. And uh, I had everybody bring a side and we got to get to know our neighbors in a group and get them to interact. And from there, we met different couples or different people in homes. And we've invited them over one by one to come and dine with us and come and sit with us and eat. And we have we found out some that have faith, some that don't. That hasn't really bothered us. I think Jesus ultimately wants everybody to. We just want to love them good. And so that's been one way I've really... My goal isn't necessarily eat up time, but been enacting my faith and trying to be a witness. And I'll be honest, in Nashville, it's so funny from where I grew up again, like I mentioned on the West Coast. It's like, oh, they're Christians. Like, (laughs) that just didn't happen all the time in Oregon. So, And if you really think about, um, this this is the teacher in me wanting to do a recap, I guess. If you really think about the two things that we've put out there, I'm talking about if you feel a sense of calling around like, I don't know, like, like a certain uh, mission or burden or, or you feel like God's kind of leading you in a very particular way and you want to find other like-minded people who, you know, could be scattered about geographically and then address proximity and say, how are we going to make this happen? That's one way. Gunner's starting on the other end of the spectrum where he's saying, this is where we live these are the people across the street from us. So let's reach out to these people and cultivate community with these people um, with the only commonality being Jesus. And, you know, either way, it's all Jesus. I mean, you know, there's no Jesus and to any of it. But what I'm saying is um, at some point, 
proximity is going to come into it, whether you start with proximity, you say, well, I'm just going to grow where I'm planted, or you feel called to kind of partner with a certain type of people or group of people to do a particular thing, and then you tackle the proximity issue. But either way, it's going to come up, I think, if, if you're going to have day-to-day shared life. So I think uh, with that said, uh, is proximity one of the more challenging hurdles that you guys have to have tried to kind of overcome? Or is there something else that uh, you would say would be one of the more challenging things for kind of cultivating community? Yeah, I think proximity is a big part. Um, I think, you know, because I'm sitting here talking about like if you have a particular burden or desire or mission, but also uh, you have to be very careful that it doesn't become an idol because um, you have a lot of people who read a lot of books. You know, they've read my book, they've read some of Frank Viola's books and, you know, just these different books out there. And they start to get a picture of, well, this is, this is the way church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like this. And so the mission becomes about the way to do church. Institutional church was wrong, so we're going to do it right. And if this whole thing is about the way we do church, you're already doomed coming out of the gate because this thing is not about the way we do church. This thing is about Jesus. The only reason I wrote my book was to remove obstacles for people that are finding the institutional church model to be problematic and saying, this doesn't resonate with me. It gets in in the way of my relationship with Jesus. But the point is Jesus. The point is not the way we do church. And unfortunately, um, I think there's a lot of people who are on this trajectory that haven't admitted to themselves that the thing that they're really passionate about and the thing that they're really looking for is a, a quote unquote correct church. And I'm just going to let you know, you're going to spend a lot of time in the spiritual desert with God refining you. And it's not as a punishment, but he's got to get, he's got to get you out of that. He's, he's got to wear those places down in you so that you can rightly fit into the house that he is building. You know, just like you take a, a stone that, that, that's rough and you have to kind of sand off all the parts that aren't going to fit. Those things have to go by the wayside before he can fit you into this house that he is building because he's the one building his ecclesia, not us. And he's yeah. got a spot for you. It's predetermined. He knows exactly where you need to fit. And you taking the reins and having this wish list of this is the way we're going to do church and and this is what I'm looking for, man, you're just gonna you're gonna prolong the process. Yeah, I actually had a. Comment. I really. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go I'm ahead, sorry. Go ahead. I just really feel for your brothers having you know spent a lot of time, and I know you have listeners outside of DC. Although this can relate to people in major cities, but as you were uh, sharing, Ragu, about you know the challenges of proximity, I, I I've seen it. I feel like from a lot of different angles, but DC. I was even up there four years ago talking with some saints up there, it just makes it an even more unique spot. And this is what I mean is when I've seen proximity really work well, what you got to have to do is some people who are doing better off financially have got to end up going, I'll live in less than a house than I have to. Yep. And as you know, in DC, the problem is houses can cost a whole lot of money. And they're not even necessarily, you know, <laughs> that, that much yeah. house as opposed yeah. to other parts of the country. And then furthermore, some people who maybe they're not doing as well, they, they got to do all they can to get maybe into like, I'm not saying go into unwise debt at all, but like, you know, get into a kind of house where it's like going, well, I guess I could pay another hundred dollars a month or whatever, rent this or do that. And so that they can kind of get to an area closer. And, you know, there's always exceptions. God, he's a God of creativity. He has all kinds of solutions, but 
that's one of the more unique areas of the country I've seen when it comes to that proximity issue. Because it's, again, is I've never been in that position, but it's like, you've been living in a $750,000 house. It might be hard to go down to 350, you know, but that's what <laughs> I take. Right. Well, actually you're like going, yeah, I'll find me one for 350, you know, but. <laughs> right. When you find one of those, please send me the list. Yeah, out. please. Like, we'll all move it. Yeah. Uh, so let me, cause you, 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 you guys are really hitting on, on, on a good, a good point. Um, and Richard, you met, you, you brought it up um, earlier when you were giving us some of your backstory. And so this proximity thing takes me to another question. I was actually having a conversation um, with the brother. I've been, you know, personally walking with him for probably close to 10 years, you know, discipled him for many years, performed his wedding, did all of that. Love this brother. And was talking with him and his wife recently because I met him before I knew his wife. And, you know, she was saying, hey, listen, you know, when I first met you guys, it was, ref- you know, really refreshing. Some of her friends were saying, you know, girl, keep a, keep your eye open. They might be a cult. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they might be a cult. So she said, you know, in, when she first met me, she's like, you know, Marty, this is I'm just, I mean, she's honest. And I mean, you know, it, that was years ago, but she was just like, you know, honestly, when I first met you, all of my friends were like, just keep one eye open in case they're a cult. So I say all that to say is, what do you what do you respond to people who would say, you know, the the way in which we walk just as sons of God, just like you said, in the Starbucks, if I'm in a church, if I'm in my house, you know, where I am, the presence of my father is. So I don't have to try to cook up anything. But to people who have been institutionalized, that looks cultish, even though it's actually the Bible. If uh, people look at it and, and, and to them, that looks cultish when it should be reversed. Honestly, you know, we yeah. go to this place yeah. and do these special things. But what are your what is your response to to people that would say to walk this way and to you know sort of live out your faith this way can be cultish? Yeah, I'm, it's funny you bring that up because this this week in particular, I've been trying to figure out what the root of that fear is because I've encountered it more than once. And I and my thing is, I want to know where that question comes from. Because there's something that's causing people to have a knee-jerk reaction. And I, and I want to know, like, what aspect of what we're describing makes people go, ooh, that sounds cultish? Is it um, the fact that we're talking about living together, possibly? Because nobody, nobody seems threatened to that when your kid moves out of the house and he gets a roommate, you're going to go, Oh, that, that sounds cultish. You're going to be living with people, <laughs> you know, right. uh, right. Oh, you're moving into a college dormitory. You know, that, that sounds cultish. Oh, you're joining the military. You guys are all going to sleep in the same barracks. That sounds cultish. So, so that can't be it or shouldn't be it. The, it shouldn't be the, the amount of time together or the shared space. Um, is it, is it, that they think we're embracing some sort of radical ideology. Like, like I'm trying to figure out like what the root of this is. Cause here's the thing that blows my mind and you actually just touched on it. Yeah. I heard you kind of slide this in. If you really want to talk about what a cult is, a cult is about control. And specifically it's, it's about being controlled by one person. Like if you think about any cult that, that has ever made the news, you know, whether it's David Koresh in Waco or Jim Jones poisoning all of his followers in, in uh, wherever, uh, the Haley's Comet guy, right. um, uh, Charles Manson. Like if you think about all your famous cults that we've seen in American culture, it's always about this really charismatic leader 
who has more power and authority and, and whose word is law. And the thing that we're talking about is egalitarian or democratic or everybody having a voice, which goes absolutely against the idea of a cult. As a matter of fact, you could argue the institutional church model lends itself more to becoming a cult, just, just the way it's structured, than what we're talking about. Because if I've already set the expectation that everybody in the room is equal, and then one guy starts to introduce some screwy ideas, everybody else in the room has the authority to go, brother, that's screwy. <laughs> right. But if you're the senior pastor, if, if, if you're, you know, the, the, the feudal Lord in your, in your little domain, <laughs> then, then people have to have a really, really, really good argument to kind of dismiss something when you start to go off the path. And the thing is, and we've seen this, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, these leaders that fall, right. You know, like, like, mm -hmm. like they start to stray little by little. So you go, well, I don't really agree with that. That's a, that's a little bit suspect, but I'm not going to say anything because it's not that big of a deal. So really I would argue the institutional church structure lends itself more to that than what we're talking about. So I don't know, like, I, I really don't know where that fear comes from. Um, not to mention, well, it's a uh, part of it has to come from ignorance because um, I, I think I think what happens is you have um, like communes and things that are cults that make the news. So those things get joined at the hip. People in some sort of co-living or commune situation, they go, ah, and, and then they become synonymous. And people don't realize there are hundreds of these people in co-living situations all around the country. Um, there's thousands of these around the world. Um, it, right now, you can look on some really trendy YouTube channels and see that millennials, millennials are, and I realize we're not talking about church per se when I just talk about co-living, co-housing, but that seems to be the thing that people have a knee-jerk reaction against. Right. Um, so it's interesting to me that millennials are really picking up this charge and running with it when it comes to co-living. There's multiple companies now, uh, like Ali and Common, and uh, there's another big one. It's It's slipping my mind right now that are advertising um, these incredible uh, co-living communities in urban areas because they realize, oh, well, the cost of an apartment in New York, you know, you're going to pay over $3,000 for a crappy little apartment and no amenities. We can offer you something less where you don't have as many amenities in your personal space, but then these shared spaces are incredible. So you live in like this, you know, what looks about like a hotel room, but on every floor, there's these incredible shared spaces where, you know, they have foosball and ping pong tables and, you know, uh, uh, huge cooking areas and dining tables. And, and it's like, they're getting it. They're figuring it out. They're going, this is amazing. Like, why don't more people want to live this way? And if you ever watch, I know I'm ranting, I'm sorry. If you ever watch the documentary, there's a documentary called happy uh, by Rocco Bellich, uh, which occasionally you can find on Netflix, but you could definitely rent it on Amazon where uh, there's kind of a positive psychology movement where people are starting to research like what actually makes people happy instead of, instead of psychologists studying people who are dysfunctional and broken. It's like, well, why don't we study people who are actually like living their best life and say, well, you know, why, why are they happier than us? And they found that Denmark is the happiest place on the planet. And coincidentally, Denmark has more people living in co-housing than any other country. Wow. So I would argue 
that one of the reasons people are so unhappy is we're just not living in community. Everybody is alone in a crowd. Being around a bunch of people is not community. That's not community. In America, we interact with people all day long, but it's all transactional. It's the cashier at Walmart. It's the guy in the drive-thru at McDonald's. That's not community. And then here in Denmark, you have people who say, well, we want to share life with a, a particular group of people. Like we want to take turns making meals for each other. We want to take turns watching each other's kids and doing chores and whatever and live as an extended family. So they're basically living like a little village, which that for most of human history, that's what we all did. That's actually more natural than the way the West is living today. And I'm sorry to sermonize. I know I'm giving these long answers, but. <laughs> no, okay. It's fine. It's what it's. Cold, cold, cold living is Richard's soapbox here. Yeah. So, no, yeah, it's, it's for, for the minute. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think that's right. I've, I've always believed that one of the biggest um, opponents to the the house of God truly uniting something similar to what Gunnar <laughs> was saying earlier, like the yep. entire family of God, is Western individualism. It's actually one of the biggest opponents to what you know what I feel like God is trying to do in the earth, um, because Western culture is just so dominant. I mean, globally. And one of the biggest tenets of Western culture is individualism. You know, me, I'm me, I'm special. And I'm going to do my yeah. own thing and I'm not coming to your thing because mine is better and, you know, so on and so forth. And it doesn't really lend itself to true community. You know, if I have to drive 45 minutes, like I know people who will drive 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half every Catch Sunday. A train from another state to yeah. come into D.C. and work. But um, I was just going to piggyback off what you're saying, Amadi, is just that Western culture and one of the key culprits of it is financial, whatever we look, think can, can and conceive of as like financial independence, mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. will, or that American dream idea. Yeah, and, because we, we idealize independence, not realizing that if you really look at the way a person matures, we start off dependent, you know, we start off as children, we're completely dependent. We become young adults. That's our time of independence. But the goal is not to stop there. If, if you stop there, you've stunted your growth. The place we eventually want to get to once we've achieved our independence is finding something bigger than ourselves and willingly laying down, not having it robbed from us, not having it manipulated away from us, but willingly laying down our in independence to become interdependent. Right. That's, that's what happens when you enter a marriage if you don't know how to compromise, if you don't know how to how to get over your my way or the highway sort of independence, then there's only a few different ways that that's going to work out. And none of them are good because you're either going to totally dominate your partner, which, wow, uh, what a terrible thing to do to another person. And what a lost opportunity for yourself because you could have had a partner and, and instead you've made somebody subservient to you or they're just going to you know say, well, to heck with this and they're going to leave, you know, you're going to destroy it. So we learn to make sacrifices in marriage. Like we, we get that concept. We just don't seem to be able to scale it, you know, beyond our own house and realize, man, look, it, look at all the benefits. Look at the way it's benefited me to learn that it's not all about me and my marriage. Imagine if I could do that with a larger group of people, like, like how much more? Well, guess what? That's all the one another's there's 50 something one another's in the new Testament that right there is your blueprint for Christian living. You're supposed to be in community with a bunch of people where you're constantly learning to defer to one another and put them first. And that yields huge dividends for you personally. I like to call wow. it one anotherness. Absolutely. Yeah. One anotherness. 
Well, brothers, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is yeah. this has really been yes. rich. This has really been rich, um, and I, I hope to do it again. Yeah. Now that I know these guys, yeah. right? Anytime. I can I can tell people that that, that I know somebody. <laughs> hey, well, what part of uh, DC do you guys live in? We live in Maryland, so I'm about maybe forty minutes east of DC. Hmm. Forty minutes east. Yeah. I was telling Gunner, uh, we were chatting before the show. I've got family in Delaware and I was threatening the next time I get up there to see them. I was like, well, maybe I could, maybe I could take a little side trip and see these guys. That'd be fun. Hey, listen, I'm right in Baltimore. So yeah. And yeah, goo's goo's in Baltimore. So yeah, if you guys are ever up this way, you feel free. You throw together a little gathering and, you know, get some people. Yeah, man. Hey, likewise. The aquarium. I I went to old Memorial stadium before they had Camden Yards to go watch. (laughs) If, if, you, if you guys that. ever want to eat some good food, come to the South. We, you know, I was actually in Nashville. We went down to um, Pigeon Forge mm-hmm. um, a couple years ago, and we drove over to Nashville. And it's funny you say that, Gunner, about your neighbors because when we were there, we we went on the tour. Remember the guy on on the tour? Oh no, you didn't come. No, 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 this was your family trip. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking. Ragu was with us. That was one of the other trips. Because he's family. Boom. I know, right? Oh, Boom. I know, right? <laughs> but. Well, we sometimes we go on so many trips together, I, f- I forget. But we were on a tour, and the guy said, Nashville, we're like the belt buckle of the Bible belt. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> He's like, we're Yo, the buckle yes. of the Bible belt here. Because there were so many churches that we had drove by on the tour. And he was like, yeah, you might notice a lot of churches. Yeah, we're the buckle of the Bible belt. So, mm-hmm. no, nah, my, my, my wife, she she wants to go back to uh, Pigeon really? Forge. Yeah, she, she like, I mean, because there's a lot of stuff for the kids to do. That's why we want to go back. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's fun, yeah. yeah. No, no, if we're ever down that way, we might look you guys up and uh, touch base. But, brothers, oh, we love that. But we do pre- um, really appreciate you, guys, appreciate you guys, um, guys coming on. Like I said, we, we hope it's not the last time. And, you know, for anybody, um, please, um, if there's some stuff you guys want to plug before we sign off. Where can where can I'll, folks I'll reach just you? Make it real, yeah, I'll make it real simple. If if there anybody's interested in anything that we Gunner and I do, just go to unchurching.com because you can find links to all of it. Unchurching.com. So please go support these brothers there on Twitter at unchurching. Um, I know because I mm-hmm. reached out to them on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they are on Facebook. Um, so we we do thank you guys for listening, and as you know, and no matter what we're discussing, we will continue to build our Father's house, build our Father's kingdom, one house amen, at a time. Amen, amen. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank, thank you so you much, guys. Thanks. It's great to meet you, like and kind of like face to face here. Yeah, I know, face to face to face to face. All right, bad, <laughs> bad joke. <laughs>